Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we're, we're in the midst of a series that I'm calling The Greater Whole, Understanding Where You Fit. And you would think that in today's age, that for especially if you grew up in church or been in a part of a church for a long time, you would think that we would know where we fit in church. Well, the problem is, is I'll be honest with you, a lot of our thinking today about church is wrong. Wrong thinking, because we, we've we reduced church down to several things. We've reduced it down to a concept that church is just the service on Sunday morning. It's just the service you attend on Sunday morning. And, and I understand that. In fact, we even say that. Once you come with me to church, we always think of church as the event or the organization. But nowhere in the Bible does it ever express the church is that way. Church is never described in terms of an event. In fact, the word church, what we use, the English word church, is the word that we use for the Greek word that is assembly. It means a gathering of people. So it means being with the gathering of people. The church is not the worship service. It's not the sermon that I give to you. The church, look around, folks. The church is you. It's people. But the problem is, okay, even though we've got this concept, a wrong concept of what church is, we have a wrong concept of what it means to be involved in the church. And so we think of it in terms of, well, there's a preacher, and then there's elders, and in our church we have trustees, and, and then there's Sunday school teachers, and then there's nursery workers and ushers. And, and if you don't fit into any one of those jobs, or of course there's the worship band, if you don't fit into any one of those jobs, then you're, all you're meant to do is just sit and give. That's it. And that's a wrong concept of church. Now what we're wanting to do with this series, The Greater Whole, is is we're wanting to blow apart that wrong thinking and replace it with some proper biblical thinking. Replace it with what the Bible really says about you being a part of the greater whole, about where you fit in. So we're going to try to tackle a couple of things this morning. I'm going to identify a couple of more aspects of wrong thinking. So let's talk about a couple of things that we have here that's going on with our wrong thinking. Here's the first one. There is a perception that I can't be myself at church. Have you ever noticed that? There's a perception that you and I can't be ourselves at church. That we've got to be somebody different. We almost have to be, I hate to say it, somebody perfect. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and our church culture in North America has created that atmosphere because we have in our mind what being spiritual is. And if you're a spiritual person, you act this way, you talk this way, you even dress this way. We've got this concept, we've got this wrong thinking that, and that's all part of it, that I can't be myself. So I gotta watch how I dress, how I talk, how I think. I gotta be careful. And, so, and a lot of you, and if you're here today and you're this way, I feel sorry for you. You're on your guard while you're here. 
Because you feel you can't be yourself. Because here's the thing. You want to know that you're accepted. It's interesting. You know, I, I do a lot of reading. And one of the things I read about the response of visitors when they come. Do you realize that visitors make the decision about coming to a church within the first 15 minutes of being here? First 15 minutes. So they they make their decision about whether or not they come before they even hear the preacher. Now, that's not true every case, but that most of the cases. What do they look at? Two things. Can I relate to the music? And number two, is everyone else like me? That's the one I want to focus on. Is everyone else like me? Why? Because we have this perception in church that I can't be myself. And so you want to look, can I be myself with this group of people? That's important to us. And that will determine whether or not you're involved in a church. Okay, first wrong thinking. First wrong thinking. The perception is, is I can't be myself. Here's the second one. This is coupled with the thought that I have nothing to offer the church. The second thing is, is this coupled with the thought that I have nothing to offer the church. So I, I can't sing, or I don't, ha- I don't make a lot of money, so I can't give, or I don't have time to, to be involved with like the oil change, or, or be involved with making sandwiches for this event that's coming up. So I really have nothing to offer. And, and to be honest with you, let me just stop for a moment, it goes beyond just looking at your resources. Some of you may have the wrong thinking in terms of I have nothing to offer, not because of what you have as far as resources, but because of your perception of yourself. What do you mean by that? I have nothing to offer because I messed up. And fill in the blank as far as what you mean by that. I have nothing to offer. And for years, we almost said to divorce people, not almost, we kind of said to, we did say to divorce people, there's nothing for you to do here. Just come and give. Yeah. See the wrong thinking of that? And you see why people have this, whether it's because of their resources or because of the baggage they carry from the past, they have this thought that I have nothing to offer to the church. That, listen to me, folks, Both of those are lies straight out of the pit of hell. They are lies straight out of the pit of hell. So I want you to think for a moment of how defeating that is for you and how defeating that is for the church. So you say, okay, George, how do we tackle... How do we tackle this wrong thinking? Well, we want to look at what the Word of God says. We're going to look today at a passage. It, it deals with a topic of spiritual gifts. In particular, they were having a problem with spiritual gifts in the Corinthian church, understanding it. But out of the overall discussion, we can get some thoughts to guide us through the issue that we're talking about here, about how important you are to the church. And I'm going to tell you this, just in the side of your notes there as you're writing, I told you this this last week, I want you to write it down again, because you need to write it down, and here's what it is. Here's the statement I want you to write down. You are 
important to the church. You are important to the church. Here's the second statement I want you to write down. The church cannot function without you. The church cannot function without you. So let me say that again. Number one, you are important to the church. Number two, the church cannot function without you. Now, let me just stop for a moment. In both of those statements, I did not, there's not an asterisk there. There, you know, you ever listen to the news when they do, I mean, uh, the commercials on the radio and they got some guy that comes on with a super fast voice that's telling you all the lawyer gibberish about who it's not supposed to be for? I can't speak that fast because there is no lawyer gibberish. There is no exception to what I'm saying to you. You are important to the church and the church cannot function without you. Do you understand? I'm talking about you. Every single one of you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You are important to the church, and the church cannot function without you. Why do you say that, George? Well, because what we're going to see today, and that's the title of our message, I alluded to it last week, is that the church is diverse unity. Diverse unity. It almost sounds like an oxymoron, a contradiction. How can you have unity and diversity? My friends, that's what the church is. Diverse unity. In fact, he's going to point it out to us here in this passage. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verses 4 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Look at what he says, verse 4. There are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversity of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Here's what we're going to see, folks. We're going to see, first of all, the issue of unity. In our diversity, there is unity. We're going to see what really unifies us. Then we're going to see the issue of diversity. Because the fact of the matter is, and aren't you glad for this, We're not all alike here. Aren't you glad for that? We don't look alike. We don't act alike. My goodness, aren't you glad for that? You know what I'm saying? We don't all root for the same team. We'd like for everybody to root for the same. We'd like for everybody to vote the same way, but we don't. We're all different here. And that is our strength. Because every one of you is important, and we can't function without you. So let's look at it together. Let's look at the unity. We see it in verses 4 through 6. He gives almost like a Trinitarian 
Trinity is a theological term describing the nature of God, that he's triune, three persons in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He gives a Trinitarian aspect of the unity here in the church. Look at what he says there. He says, verse 4, there's diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's differences of ministries, but the same Lord. That's talking about Jesus. And there's diversity of activities, but the same God. That's God the Father. There is unity here. So what do we see here? Number one, diversity is not the enemy of unity. Diversity is not the enemy of unity. So let me explain what I mean by that. You know, our culture in America today, we think that everybody has to be the same in order for us to be strong. Well, that's fine. That's the culture. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes to the church, we have it's completely different. Our cultural thinking has no place in the church because the church wants you to understand, the Bible wants you to understand that in the church, the more different you are in who you are and in your gifting, the better for the church. Diversity in you as a person with the giftedness. Now, when I'm talking about differences, I'm talking about giftedness. The things that God has given you to do, the abilities that he's given you to do, that actually is a strength of the church. So, for instance, let me give you an example. Aren't you glad that every single one of us does not have the gift of prophecy? What do you mean by that? Well, prophecy as a gift is telling forth the truth telling people the word of God in truth. And if you think about what a prophet does, he always is going around correcting people, right? What do you think we would be like here if every one of us had that gift where every one of us, it is our focus to go around, tell everybody what they're doing wrong and what they should be doing right. What kind of place would this be like? Be pretty empty, wouldn't it? Because who wants to put up with that? See, it's okay to have a few people like that who have discernment, who couple that with a gift of love, but to have a whole church like that, that would drive you nuts, would it not? Or what if we had the gift of people who are giving? It's good to have people who have the gift of giving and who want to help people all the time, but people I've noticed with people who want to give everything, they don't necessarily want to focus on what they can't, that, that maybe get, reach a point where they can't give, and they actually give to the detriment of something. That would be hurtful too, wouldn't it? So you got to have diversity. See, diversity is not the enemy of unity. In the church, it actually works to our benefit that we have people with differing gifts. Do you know what I'm saying? See, that's what the thing is. Unity, diversity is not... The enemy of unity. You need to understand that. Here's the other thing. The basis for unity is God. What unifies us with all of our differences here? And let me just say this. We are different. What unifies us here, notice he does it three times. He wants to say there's a difference in all these areas, but there's one thing that unifies us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What unifies us, are you listening to me, is God. Man, we need to guard that. What unifies us as a church is not what we think about politics. Period. 
And you know what I've noticed? I'm, I'm 50 years old now, okay? So you identify yourself and you can resonate with a group of people and say you're part of the party. But have you noticed that when you're a part of some party, that that group of people that you're resonating with can't even agree among themselves about what the party believes? Why? Because we're all different. We're all different. That's not the basis of our unity. See, the basis of our unity, listen to me, the basis of our unity as a church always has to be God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. See, that's why you can be you. In fact, I'll be honest with you. Remember the first two things I told you? You are important to God, and the church can't function without you. The reason why is because of this. The basis of our unity is God. The basis of our unity is God. You say, okay, that's our unity, George. So what about our diversity here? Well, he's going to go into a little bit of explanation. And when I'm talking about diversity, I'm not talking about our diversity with regards to politics or sports or anything else. I'm talking about our diversity with regards to how you function in the greater whole, how you fit in the greater whole. So here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to grasp. A couple things right off the bat. Gifts are not given for personal benefit. So every if you're here today, Jesus came into your life, the Holy Spirit came into your life, at that moment that you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, he gave you a gift or gifts to be used in the church, for the benefit of the church. Now, right off the bat, Paul's going to tell us right here, if you look with me at verse verse 7, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, that's the gift, is given to each one, notice what it says there, for the profit of who? All. Who's that? Everyone else. Okay. So gifts are not given for personal benefit. I'll use myself for an example. God has gifted me with the ability to teach. But, I'm going to tell you right now, and I had to learn this. I mean, it took a lot to learn this. He didn't gift it for my personal benefit. He gifted it for the benefit of the greater whole of the church. It's not for me and what I can get out of it. See, that's the problem. Sometimes we think about our abilities or using our abilities, like if we think we can play music or we're apple pie makers and we're the best apple pie maker, you know, whatever, and we do it for the church, but you're really doing it for because you want to have everybody slap you on the back and say that was wonderful apple pie. Or, man, you can really pick that guitar. That's not why he gifts you. It's for you. He gifts you for everyone else. Gifts are not given for personal benefit. Here's what else I want you to see. Gifts are given for the benefit of the greater whole. I've already told you that. It's your giftedness, whatever it may be. And let me just stop for a moment. Here's the third thing I want you to write down in your margin. You have been gifted with a gift. For the church. 
You have been gifted with a gift for the church. You say, I don't know what that is. That's fine. You may not know what it is, but you need to understand that you were given a gift or a gifts for the church. This is the point here. You were given a gift for the benefit of everyone else here. You just have to ask God what it is and use it. Because number one, what? You are important to the church. Number two, we can't function without you. The church can't function properly without you. So then I want you to see here, the third thing I want you to see here. The Spirit equips each believer with a different gift. Listen, there are talents. So, okay, yeah, you know what? If I had the patience, and if I had the the intestinal fortitude, I could learn to play in a musical instrument. Now, I probably will be terrible at it. I can learn those abilities, but that's not necessarily a gift. A gift is given to you by the Holy Spirit. So we can have anybody get up here and play. But it's a Spirit-given gift if the playing, the ability to play, and the manner in which it's played and the purpose for which it's played is to benefit the whole body. Because sometimes you can have somebody up there and all they're doing is for themselves. That's not spirit. But spirit is using your abilities and whatever God's telling you to do for everyone else to benefit from it. Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody can bake a pie. But baking a pie and dropping it off to somebody who know you know just got out of the hospital to be an encouragement to him, That's the Spirit, right? This is what I want you to understand. The Spirit equips each believer with different gifts. Here's the final thing I want you to see. The Spirit empowers the gifts in each believer. This is the thing that you need to understand. When you talk about you having a gift, it's not you trying to figure out how to use it and even empowering it. The Spirit gives you a gift to use for the benefit of the church. And here's the wonderful thing. He then empowers the use of that gift in the church. He then empowers the use of that gift. See, this is what I'm saying. God will empower you to do the gifts that he wants you to do for the benefit of the whole. So let me get back to my original premise. My original premise to you was the first two things. Number one... You are important to the church. I want you to grasp that point more than anything else here today. You have something to offer the church. Bottom line, period. Why? Because I know that if you trust Jesus, God gave you something to do for the church. Do you hear me? You may not believe that. He gave you something. You maybe haven't discovered it yet. I would encourage you to go on that quest to ask him what it is and let him do But you were given an ability to help the church, period. You're important. And number two, we're never going to function as a church until you learn and do what you're supposed to do. Do you understand me? The church cannot function properly without you. So think back to that wrong thinking I was talking about earlier where it's, I said, I have nothing, where some of us are at where I have nothing to offer the church. That is a lie. 
Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he gave you a gift. And number two, he put you here for a reason. And we need you. Quit thinking about church as a service and think about it as what it is, a group of people who need you. So what do we do with this? Well, I'm going to ask you the same two questions I gave you last week. What's holding you back from being involved? What's holding you back? Is it your wrong thinking? Is it some mistake in the past? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. What's holding you back? Is it the perception that you think that others may look at you wrong? You can't be yourself. What's holding you back? You will be shocked what it is. It will almost seem trivial when you put it up against the word of God. When you put it up against truth, what truth? That you are important to the church and that the church cannot function without you. What's holding you back? Here's the second question. Have you embraced the lie that you have nothing to offer to offer the church? Have you embraced that lie? Some of you have embraced that lie. It's been ingrained in you. Some preacher somewhere told you that you could never do something again. Some Sunday school teacher told you. Maybe it was a family member who told you. Somebody, maybe you listen on the radio or something. Somebody came along and said, you can't do something because of this, whatever, and fill in the blank of what it might be. Somebody told you something, and so you're just holding back. You say, that's really nice, George, but this guy was really important in my life, and he said no. Hey, have you ever considered he or she might be wrong? And the measure of truth of understanding whether it's wrong or not is not based upon what I say. It's based upon what God's Word says. Do you understand me? And the last time I checked in chapter 12, the only footnotes at the bottom are textual interpretations, not exceptions about who the text is talking about. Have you embraced the lie that you have nothing to offer? So here, here's what we're going to do. Here's, the, here's what I want you to do. Here's what you need to start praying. Here's what you need to focus on this week. Recognize and act upon the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to you. Last week we talked about how grace, salvation gave you gifts. This week we're talking particular about the person of the Holy Spirit. You need to recognize and act upon the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to you. How do I do that, George? Well, a lot of times the area of giftedness is in the area of what God is telling me to do in a church. That's where my giftedness is. I'm going to flat out tell you, my giftedness is not music. And be thankful for that. My kids will tell you what it's like when dad decides to sing at home. They're like wanting to leave the house. Can you stop? And I know that's not my giftedness. My giftedness is in, well, you already know, I already told you. It's the thing that God lays on your heart to do. You will find oftentimes that's what the giftedness is in. But see, you won't do it because you've got some wrong thinking. 
Let's kill the thinking and start being what God's calling us to be. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.